Hi, this is uh, Roy Carlin of uh, Speaking Podcast and welcome to episode number 12. This week uh, I was speaking to Mariusz Sokowowicz, who I know for about 10 years. He's the Vice Dean of the local university and he travels all around Europe to the different universities so he's got plenty of uh, speaking engagements. But also he was working for the local uh, council and would have had uh, experience talking with on TV and radio and he delves into that. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Make sure that you subscribe and if you like it give us a five star rating and share with your friends and remember each episode is different so if you're new to the podcast go back and listen to the, the episodes from the very start. You can find us on Instagram Facebook and YouTube Speaking Podcast and our website is speakingpodcast.com. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Hi, this is uh, Roy Collin the Speaking Podcast. I'm here with uh, Marius Sokowowicz, who is a good friend of mine. He's actually the Vice Dean of the local university. And why I've asked him to talk to us today is because he'd have experience with teaching, but also he has uh, experience uh, working with the city government, so would have been talking on to the press and everything. So, welcome, Marish. Hello, hello, everybody. So, let us know your journey. Your, like, when you were younger, your speaking journey. Yes, I tried to explain it so- somehow. Uh, as far as uh, my speaking experience is concerned, I think that... I was learning mostly by myself, like on my own, really. Uh, never working with professionals, except listening to some podcasts, how to do it so- sometimes, maybe. But generally speaking, uh, I did it myself. I did it by practice. Uh, maybe it's a little because of my attitude to such things and my character. I was never afraid of uh, speaking publicly. But maybe it was also because of the kind of work I perform, I do. Uh, because I work in the university, uh, my history was I just finished the studies and I got a proposal to make a PhD at my university, so I stayed at the university. And quite quickly I had to learn how to teach students. And because uh, I had to do it by myself actually, with very little help from the other people from the university, like the older ones, uh, I just had to learn by myself how to do it in the interesting way because you know it's not a, a problem to make a, some kind of notes and make a lecture for students just reading this so I always trying not to do that I always trying to rather speak than uh, read something from the from the papers I have from the notes uh, from the notes I have so this is let's say the beginning of my journey except some small things that happens maybe in the high school or in, in the in the primary school when once or two times maybe I make a small performance as a child, you know, for the, for the parents, for something like this. So I think it doesn't really count. What really counts is uh, it's my work at the university. And that's, that, that, that was the beginning. So because I had to, I started to speak publicly to different groups, group of five people, 15 people, and more people, like also 100. And uh, because I was doing it a lot, I think it was a good practice. I think what is interesting from my point of view, for me never, there was never a difference between speaking to the group of 15 people or the group of 100 people. I don't know why, Mm. but it never, 
uh, it never was a problem for me. Mm. What was later? Hmm. Later, as you mentioned, I was uh, cooperating with the local government, but firstly it was rather as uh, working uh, like as uh, even not a civic servant, like cooperating with some NGOs and doing many things for, for, for the city, like engaging myself in the social issues, urban social issues. It was like this that because my specialization in at the university is about urban economics, uh, it corresponds directly to governing the city, to governing everything that is public in the city. And uh, it was the time, more or less 2007-2008, when here in Poland and in Uch, when we are now in the city, mm, there was a problem of some kind of crisis of the, uh, of the town center. Uh, it was because of many reasons and it happened not only in Lodz, but in many other large police cities also. Uh, because of the suburbanization, I mean more and more people buying uh, properties and buying ho houses around the city, more and more people stopped to, to live in the town center and started to live outside the city, which is normal for, for many cities, it's like this urban life cycle, let's, let's call it. At the same time, more and more shopping malls were opening in, in the city. And the main street in Uch, Piotrkowska Street, got a crisis because of that. Because the shops that were on that street stopped operating, moved to these shopping malls, or moved to the places closer to these people in the suburbs. And uh, together with the other surrounding areas around this main street, the Piotrkowska Street, it started to be visible like more and more uh, empty shops, for example, the quality of public space going down, uh, not interesting uh, from the aesthetic point of view, advertisement, etc. And because it happens not only, as I said uh, before, in Lodz, it started to happen in other large cities, it happened 10 years before also in the UK, in Ireland, in France, so in, in Western Europe, uh, there are many people trying to deal with this in somehow scientifically. I mean, to, to try the reasons of this and to try the solutions how to make, how to revitalize these city centers to make them attractive for people again. And me with the group of people started to do the same in, in the city of Lodz. Uh, in the meantime, because I was in the university, I was... Uh, doing a lot of things with students, but not only in the terms making, you know, making lectures, uh, making, you know, like a regular job on the university, but uh, I was working with the student association, people also doing such a things in the city. So not only studying, but also trying to change the city they're, they're, they study for real. And we, for example, make a very big uh, research. On the, on the image of the city of Lodz. Just asking people what they like in Lodz, what they don't like in Lodz, are they planning to move away from the city uh, after graduation or are they planning to stay in the city, etc. And it was like in the, in the, in the sphere, in the, in, in, the, in the field of the urban marketing. 
So we make a big research sample of something like few thousand students being because students were the respondents mm -hmm. in this in this research, and uh, we try we try to publish this. I mean, not you know to write a research paper that just ten people read and put it to the to the bin, but do it in the more let's say modern way. Uh, just to go to the local TV, to go to the local radio, etc. Just to sell the effects of our research to the uh, to the public, and all these things like teaching, cooperating with students, making this research, and also dealing with uh, with the with the town center, like with trying to revitalize town center, may make me cooperating a little with local media, because you know the journalist. Uh, noticed that yeah, there's interesting research, there's like a young uh, PhD guy dealing with students, making this research, he's also trying to do something for the Pieczkowska street, the mainstream of Lutz, so this uh, revitalization stuff. And they started to invite me and also a few other people to, to make some kind of uh, interviews, both in TV and in the radio. So this is the next stage, like learning uh, to speak publicly to the local media. Uh, I think, again, I was doing it by myself. I was learning just by, by doing. And would, uh, you watch, <clears throat> would you watch back and see what you've done wrong to improve? Oh, yeah. uh, yes, yes. Uh, I know that there are people that hate, to do, hate doing this. For me, it was not a problem. Sometimes, of course, it's not that it's, uh, I'm listening to myself and I'm happy because it's not like this, but it's not a problem for me to listen to, to what I've said, how I look when I speak, etc. So yes, yes, I was doing this, so it was like some kind of auto-feedback, just trying to watch back what I was speaking in TV or in, in the radio and trying to improve myself by... Uh, by listening back what 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 what, what I've told uh, before, for sure. So this is uh, again like practicing by myself mostly. Mm, and what is let's let's say a key to success? I think it's uh, mainly I don't know. I think mainly it's uh, the number of let's say of these small interviews I've done. Uh, the number of lectures I've done to students, there were thousands of, of, of lectures. I don't know if you know the Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell, who is mm -hmm. a journalist from The New Yorker, a very famous one. He used to uh, write, write few books, and one of these books was about uh, what decides about making you expert. And he said that to become, to become an expert, you have to practice at least 10,000 hours in your life whatever you do, you know, if you, want, if you want to be a football player, you must to practice for 10,000 hours to be a football player. If you want, if you are a singer, he gave an example of Beatles, you know, the, the Beatles group that he pra they, they practiced 10,000 hours before they, they became famous, blah, 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 blah. But I think it works. Of course, it's not exactly 10,000 hours, but it's still practicing. It's like everything, like learning language. It's like being a sportsman, it's like being a scientist, it's like being a spokesman, it's the same. You have to practice. So I think I was practicing and this is the main key to success in my case. Of course, I do a lot of mistakes because, I, as I mentioned before, I never do it with professional care. I mean, no one helped me. 
one or two times I was on some some kind of workshops helping to improve my way of, let's say, selling the effects of my work, the mainly the scientific one, because there's also something that develops. Maybe I will speak about it a little bit later. Uh, so I, I'm I'm aware of of, of the mistakes I do, uh, and for sure um, I wouldn't like the people who are going to listen to this podcast to think that it's really possible that you can do it really by by yourself. I did it with little help of the other people, mainly of the experts, but it doesn't mean that I think that's the only way to be an expert. No, it's better to have someone who advise you. My case was special uh, it is, it, and it still, it was not fully free of experts. As I mentioned a few times, I had some kind of feedback also from the experts. Uh, even you know, even when I mentioned about going to the local TV or to, look, to the local radio to, to make a speech or to make to, to give some kind of interview, uh, there were also like you know journalists giving me giving me some some feedback on this. Mm-hmm. So it's it's also quite uh, quite important thing, I think. It's like this. And then the like because there's they're both different radio and TV. Is there any kind of tips you can share with us? for when you are on the TV? Uh, I can try. Mm, first of all, of course, it will be quite obvious thing, try not to be stressed. I know it's hard, but I told before that I am a kind of person that for me doesn't make any difference if I speak to five people or 10 people or 100 people or I speak to radio onto the TV. So the, the wider audience. Uh, but I know that there are people who are a little bit afraid of this. The, the, like the growing number of the potential listeners make them more stressed. So the first advice would be try not to be stressed so much. Even maybe paradoxically, speaking to five people sometimes it's much more difficult than f- speaking to, for example, two hundred people, because you know when you speak publicly you are stressed a little. You are thinking what people think about you, but think about these people in the audience. It's exactly the same. They will not start asking you very complicated questions because they are also afraid to ask you the questions, to give you some kind of feedback, etc. So always remember about this. When you speak with the group of five people or three people, they will be always more encouraged to, to answer you or to give you sometimes very strong feedback, not sometimes not good for you. So uh, first uh, tip would be not, not be so stressed of the wider audience. The other f- uh, tip I think quite important is try to be quite, let's say, consistent with the idea I want to pass to people. Uh, usually it's especially the case of people being experts in somewhere, they're invited to, they are being invited to radio or TV as an expert. People, I mean journalists, start to ask a lot of questions. Uh, try being an expert, not to answer as an expert too much. I mean not to use the expert language too much, to complicate it, for example. Remember that when you speak to very wide audience, uh, this audience is very differentiated in terms of what kind of people are listening. If you are speaking to students, you know they are students. If you are speaking to the group of 
people over 80, you know, you are speaking to this kind of people. When you are speaking to, you exactly don't know who is going to listen to podcasts, to the podcast, to, to, to the radio, to the TV. Uh, you are speaking to very, very differentiated group of people. So your uh, uh, information, your message should be, let's say, average a little to maybe not a little, just being understandable to the average uh, recipient of this kind of message. So this is, I think, quite important. Try to put your message or to pass your message through the media in a way that will be very, very understandable to the wider audience. How to do it? Sometimes when I speak to students, it's, it's also about writing, not about speaking only, but it's also about speaking. Uh, I don't know, something normal situation in the university. There is some complication, issue, complicated issue concerning, I don't know, for example, the real estate economics. Right, let's say it's this kind of course. And students are supposed to make some kind of 15-minute speech on one element of this urban economics. For example, how people buy and sell houses, whatever. So they have to make presentation. Of course, different students make it in a different way. Uh, I always try to say to students that they are not making presentation for me. I say, I say to them, I say to them, imagine that, for example, you are preparing presentation about urban economics or real estate economics to someone that doesn't have an idea about urban economics. For example, you live in the door, I ask, in the dorm. Some people, some students answer yes. So probably in the dorm you live, there are some people as you, being students of the, of the faculty of economics, and there are some students being specialists or studying chemistry or music or whatever. So imagine that your colleague from your room, your roommate from the dorm, is a chemistry guy, for example, try to explain what are you doing as you were doing this to chemistry guy. And this sometimes helps. You know, when you know that you are not talking special or talking about special things to the specialist, but talking about special things to the people who are, who is not a, who are not a specialist in some issue, it makes message, making this message sometimes easier. So I think, mm, I think that's a great thing. message because <clears throat> I see with a lot of scientists when they're trying to get their message out, they're talking in scientific language or doctors in medical language and they're not hitting the masses. They're only kind of speaking to you know, the, their profession when they're trying to hit, reach the masses. You're, you're totally right. And this is the, 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 the next thing I would like to, to tell you, uh, to, to tell to you and to the world through this, through this podcast. I mean, uh, I talked a little bit about uh, me taking part in some small number of uh, workshops on, on uh, giving messages or public speaking, but concerning the science, let's say science. This is my academic, my academic specialization. Uh, and it was this, uh, this few number of, of workshops was on this. Like there is, let's say, a small market that is growing. There are firms specializing in teaching people from the academia how to sell, I put this uh, sell, of course, uh, as some kind of quotation, uh, 
to sell the message from the academia in a way which is more marketized, let's see, in a marketing way, in more attractive way. Of course, I must say it, not everyone, not every doctor and every professor is able to do it because I can imagine many, you know, astronomers, for, for example, being very specialized in observing new stars on the sky and being really not able to speak about this publicly. But some of them, the other can be very good of this. So uh, some people in the academia try to specialize in this and there are even special films already uh, all over the world, also in Poland, uh, learning people, I mean teaching people, academia people, how to do it. And one of the first tips they do to these academia people, some of them are uh, the same as I did, uh, uh, the same tip as, as, as I gave to you, it's like try to make this message under, uh, understandable, but there are also di other different tips, for example, make the structure of this message in a, in, in a good way, for example, before you start talking what are you doing uh, in your research, tell people why are you doing this, what is the problem you want to solve, and how can help people in practice, for example. So yes, yes, this... Uh, I know that it's still the beginning of the journey, I mean in the academia, that still um, a lot of academia people are very hermetic, but it changes, it changes and uh, more and more universities, including my university, University of Lutz, have very specialized marketing people uh, trying to uh, help academia people to sell, the, uh, to, to, to sell uh, the message, the scientific message, in a more attractive way. When you go you know, on the YouTube and put the University of Lutz, you will open the channel and, for example, you can see up to this time, it's probably like 30, 40 small movies of single people talking in quite attractive way what they are searching, studying from the various fields. Economics, sociology, chemistry, medicine, etc. etc. Uh, there are also more and more comments of what's happening in the world or in the city, for example, or in, the, in Poland. And also the comments are in the way that they are rooted a little bit in the theory, like this, some, some representative on the university says, yes, according to theory, what happened, I don't know, for example, on the, uh, on the stock market in Poland, in Warsaw, was according to the theory, to the theory uh, against the theory, and then explains why, and more and more people have the ability to do it in a way that the other will understand this. So this is, I think, uh, something that develops. Which means that doesn't matter where you work, you can try developing the skills of speaking publicly in an attractive way. And uh, it concerns also academia. Uh, I think it would be nice if these public speaking messages would be more, um, let's say, widespread and uh, popular also among in, in this other um, field of my activity which is in the in the urban development issues but not from the scientific point of view but the, from the practical point of view because as i mentioned i'm cooperating with some ngos uh, with some we call it urban movements trying to make a city a more attractive place to live which means many issues 
for example, it's about uh, making some kind of bottom-up lobby to the local government to make the, uh, the urban amenities which means everything that surrounds the place you live more attractive to make the pavements being clean and nice to have more greenery in the city uh, to fight with the smog uh, and the other uh, kind of air pollution to uh, eliminate some cars from the streets and promote the other ways of transport for example the bike transport pedestrian transport public transport etc so there are many things like this to convince people living in the city that is important for their life, for the quality of life, it's very important. But many people who do it also need to develop the ability of public speech um, to, let's say, to borrow some techniques of public speaking of the local politicians, because local politician, politicians are great in this and local activists are not so great in this, that's why they lose the elections <laughs> probably. Mm, so, uh, what I would like uh, in the next, uh, this close next future, it's to, to try to, to convince people dealing with the urban development issues in the practical way, to be able to convince the citizens, the urban citizens, to their ideas how the city should function. It's like this. And uh, you mentioned as well speaking on radio. What tips would you give for when it's just uh, on the radio, not on television? First of all, of course, uh, it's obvious that the only thing there's in there that that's, that you can get in the radio is the voice. So the, you must concentrate more on doing less lingual mistakes because it's very, even not visible but hateable. <laughs> by the people who uh, listen to the uh, who listen to the radio mm, the very important thing is to try to have the way of speaking uh, very clear for many people it's not so easy so some people need for uh, for sure some practicing before going to the radio to be let's say to be understandable but uh, in a in a way that, that they are heard, they are being heard by the uh, by, by the people. Some tip would uh, would be similar, like with the TV, like don't care too much. Of, I know it's hard, but don't care too much of how many people will listen to you. Concentrate more on your speech, not of. I mean, you should know who is listening to you, and you should take care about this audience, but. Don't count this audience. Don't think that there are million people listening to this. Just try to concentrate here and now on the recording in the radio or sometimes in live, just speaking with someone. And uh, the other thing is, uh, I know it's a tip or not, maybe, maybe it is. Uh, try to really listen or maybe this listening to, to I wanted to say about that we should concentrate of the questions that are being uh, uh, asked by, by by the journalists. But it's let's uh, let's say quite obvious. Well, I no, I've actually seen people that they've been brilliant speakers, but when you do like uh, there's some projects where you're interviewing, and they weren't able to listen to the questions properly because they were thinking in their head what they're going to say next. 
So I think it's actually a valid point. Yes, for sure. For some people, it's a problem. Uh, for some people, it's a problem that they have some kind of message like it seems like learned by heart. It doesn't matter what what was the question. The answer is the same. Again, local politicians and every politician are very good <laughs> on this. Um, but of course, uh, the way you speak also depends on the type of audition. Some audition you are play with emotion, in the other you must be more professional, more expert. So you should also know that it's not like TV is TV and radio is radio. When you go to the radio, uh, the, you should prepare also in a way that you should know what kind of audition it is. Sometimes the short one, sometimes the long one. So this is you should know when you are prepared for the show one you shouldn't speak and speak and speak you know that it will be cut very quickly some auditions are just a news type so just tell some information for example about event you're pre preparing and and and, and radio men or women invited you to, to speak about this some are to discuss to comment some problem so you should know why are you going to the radio What's the reason? What type of audition you're going to take part? It's Have you um, had a situation where it wasn't live radio, but they edited it to change the context of what you were saying? Has that happened to you? Uh, sometimes it happened, but it happened quite uh, rarely in case when I went to the studio to, uh, to the interview to, to talk to the journalist. It happens more often when, when I was working in the city hall for this city center revitalization Petrkovska Street. I had also many speeches, you know, recorded somewhere in the public space. Like someone calls you and says, you, I know we are preparing something on the Petrkovska Street, for example, some kind of event. I would like you to tell some few things or something bad happened. You have to comment this. And they ask you to comment it very quickly to TV or to the radio usually it lasts maximum three five minutes but then it goes to the news just for 10 seconds and uh, yes then it's very possible that the context will be will be uh, cut and it's very hard to give a tip how to avoid this uh, you must be really quite professional you know that you your message must be very clear when it's clear it's not possible to cut it so so much, but it's something that you have to learn by practice. It's not very 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 easy to to learn this. And I think people should actually, when they are having interviews, to record it so that if they do twist it, which happens a lot, that you've got the full recording yourself because they're not going to give it to you, and then you can actually take action on it if need be. Uh, you mean just for improving yourself? No, no, I mean that if you're talking on the radio and they, they, they blow it out of context and they try to make you look bad when you're giving a good point, uh -huh. that you have a recording yourself so that if need be, you have a backup that you know can so you can defend yourself if they try to spin it. Maybe it's, maybe it's a good way, but uh, frankly speaking, uh, it happens not so often. Last time, I mean this time, sometimes in Polish public TV it happens, but you know, it can happen one, two times, and then, you know, no TV station, no radio station will be perceived as a uh, really bird when they start to do it all the time. Yeah. So it's like, you know, in Poland we say, kłamstwo ma krótkie nogi, so the lie has short legs. Yeah. 
you cannot like like this, especially being a radio station because you go out of the market very quickly. Mm-hmm. So I only be afraid so much of this. Of course, when something like this happens, there is a problem, but uh, you can record on your phone the whole interview, of course, but I think that from the moral and from the legal point of view, you should inform the, the interviewer that you are doing this, actually, <laughs> maybe too. This is also quite uh, important because the, the the journalist also can say that he or she didn't know that you are recording them mm-hmm. and then you are against the law, you know. It's quite complicated in, in, in practice in real life, but yeah, of course, like this. Nevertheless, uh, I recommend uh, practicing public speech also through the media, through the media. It's a little bit different, or maybe even a lot different than going on the stage and speak publicly. Uh, you have to prepare it in a, a little bit different way to such a spe- speaking, uh, but gives you the gives you the uh, possibility to give a feedback because you can download what you have said mm-hmm. and see in the TV or here in the radio what you did. So you can use it also for learning for the future. So this is um, good. And of course, after five, six, seven times of doing this, you are getting more and more practice. Uh, and I think the the practice you get makes you uh, better for the next public speeches, not only in the radio TV, but also in the public speeches on the stage. So yes. this is for sure. Uh, at, at the beginning is very stressful, but when you cope with this, it gives you a lot of advantage. So I recommend. I to think try your, this. your point about uh, Malcolm Gladwell and the, the, you know, the 10,000 hours, I mean, not necessarily 10,000 hours, but I think the more, the more stage time you get, the better. Just for keep sure. practicing. For sure. The same is about singers, you know. They are the, the people, the, the bands that are giving a lot of concerts. They are really good at this because they are, most of them, before they started to give this concert of big stadiums, they are doing thousands of hours playing in the small clubs uh, and then they had possibility to practice. So this is for sure the starting point. Mm-hmm. To practice a lot. Exactly. So. Listen, it's been fantastic. You've given some brilliant advice. How can people get in contact with you if they're interested in what you're doing? Uh, through the social media, like uh, the Facebook portal, for example, uh, or through the if you know, you, through you, for example, yeah, you can I, give I my uh, email. The, yeah. Not a problem. Okay. okay. Yeah. So thanks very much. Thank you very much. See you. Bye. So that's it for today. Um, I hope you enjoyed uh, listening to Marius and all the advice that he gave. So as I mentioned at the start, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube Speaking Podcast. Our website is speakingpodcast.com. Be sure to share with your friends if you think they could uh, benefit from public speaking. And we would greatly appreciate uh, a five star rating on iTunes, Stitcher or wherever your platform you listen to. So until next week, have a great time.